Yes, yes. Because it's supposed to be a question answer session. So, so uh, I've been in management and we've been taught these personality types. Yes. And there was one such system, Enneagram, nine types, and it, it seems it was started by a spiritualist. Enneagram. And they feel that it helps you understand your ego structures and then slowly move towards transcending those mm. fixations. What is your opinion? Do you think... Yeah, long back I have read about it and I had a book also somebody had given me actually. Mm. Uh, but frankly, um, I find... Uh, I mean, Kurjiev's writings are a different thing. Mm. They are intellectually satisfying to those who are intellectually inclined. Mm. Uh, possibly he had some uh, some experiences, some glimpses uh, mm. mentally of these realms. But um, you know, when people try to immediately translate it into psychological practice, uh, there are two things which are missing in that. Number one is that uh, you cannot, um, you know, you need to know that fundamental reality, what in India is called as Brahman then only you can know about all else. Exactly. You know, like Ken Wilbur has done something like that, planes mm. of Kobe. it's a purely mental thing. Mm. Now, as an intellectual exercise, it's okay, you know, it, he has drawn matrices and all that. Uh, different people have drawn different things uh, along those axes. But what it lacks is something real and living. That's my issue with most of these personality types, which, mm. uh, and many others which I've read, that they're not real and living. They don't... Uh, uh, communicate to me something which is organic. You know, human personality has many dimensions which are simultaneously crisscrossing. Mm. And uh, um, take for instance vital and psychic, just two parts, soul and the vital part in us. Mm. Vital part on one side deals with emotions, etc. On the other side it deals with, uh, with um, passions and even lower impulses, mm. sexual and all that. It also is an energy feeder to the thoughts formations. Now, you know, if you take, it's part of the ego structure at one level. But at the same time, it's, it's a great power if you turn the same dynamics of the dynamics of the vital mm -hmm. in search of the deeper reality within you. So, I feel instead of drawing a clear-cut line or distinction between the ego structure and the self, which is all right at one level, it's important. I think more important or more relevant question for me is that, how do I, who is trapped in this ego structure, find a way to the self? Yeah. So that's a more practical question. So uh, at least the answer that yoga gives is something very fascinating. So you have to start with what you have in hand, which is part of your ego structure, part of your nature you have to use to go beyond nature. It's like if I am closed in this room. So, if I have to open the door, unless I can make a call and ask somebody to open, I have to look for the tools which are within. Uh, it's alright to know while here that there is a world outside. But, you know, <laughs> if I have to open the door, either I need to know somebody who is on the other side and ask him to open, or I have to find the means from within. Now, within our ego frame, there are forces, energies, powers, capacities, qualities, call them whatever, which can be utilized for discovery of the true self. 
and that's where we have the different paths of yoga now normally my mind can either gravitate below basically what is ego structure ego is a sense of you know nature what it does it traps us in a magic circle says this is me this not me but in reality it's not like that it's like a light you know if you walk on the by the side of the ocean i hope somebody had a chance to go there so you will see when the moon is shining so when you are standing here you will feel that the moon is uh, illuminating this part as you go further you will see ah moon is illuminating this part as you go still further you will see the moon is illuminating this part so ego is a uh, itself an illusory reality paradox created by nature to give me a sense that this part of ocean is mine but actually ocean is one continuity one of the first experiences that yoga gives us that this illusion about my nature your nature is itself one of those traps because it's a cosmic nature everything exists in everyone that's the one of the great sutras of the upanishad that pind me brahmand hai every uh, element contains the entire cosmos in it not only the human body you know that famous shloka somebody may remember पूर्णमिधन पूर्ण मदन पूर्णात पूर्ण मदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्ण मादाय पूर्णमेव अवशिष्यते इवन इफ यू सब्सट्रैक्ट द फुल इट रिमेन्स फुल नाउ दिस इज अ फंडामेंटल डॉक्ट्रिन व्हिच इज वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग बिकॉज ऑल दीज एनर्जीज अल्टीमेटली नेचर बिलोंग्स टू होम टू द लॉर्ड ऑफ नेचर फॉर अ लॉन्ग टाइम इट टेक्स द सोल थ्रू अ सर्टन एक्सपीरियंसिस ऑफ द ईगो सेल्फ बिकॉज इट्स नेसेसरी फॉर आवर डेवलपमेंट दैट्स वॉट यू नो इन द इवनिंग वी वर डिस्कसिंग if prematurely we try to cut the knots of the ego we will fall flat on the nose <laughs> there are people who try to do that and they lose their mind frankly speaking you know because they are not ready so nature for a long time will prepare you and the sign that you are ready is that after some time you will begin to feel a calling ah there is something beyond till then we should not disturb the ego structure now you see this is something real dynamics it's not like I read a book. This is ego, and this is the self. And I try. Now, how do I get across? Then nature itself will suggest. How it suggests? Because after all, she is whose nature? She is the Lord's nature. You know that's how she is described. She is whose Maya? She is Maya of the Maya Pati. There is a very famous uh, sloka, which uh, the gist of it is: You cannot slay Maya. You can slay Moha. why you cannot slay maya because maya is the lord's maya it is you know gita gita speaks of it as maya duratya and he says it's my maya how can you slay maya but you can slay moha you can slay your illusory functioning within the maya and you can use then she will show you the way she is avidyamayi she is vidyamayi so she keeps us in that sense of separativeness multiplicity till it is necessary like um, you know you put to make ice cream you put it in a mold now you know when it is ready then you break the mold so ego is a mold now from there when the time comes when the chick inside the egg is getting ready so the sign is you begin to feel restless what is called as evolutionary angst a lot of people nowadays experience it it's an existential angst they don't know they feel directionless they feel aimless you know in counseling i'm sure you'll meet people youngsters who don't know where to go what to do Uh, and you know they already their ego stru- structures are becoming fragile collapsing they they are totally lost because they it's like a bird in the cage that's how it's described so it will give you an indication so the beauty of this indication of nature is uh, like homeopathy your strongest part is also your weakest part i'll tell you how 
take for instance heart now those are very emotional they can really turn to the divine through emotions and they can discover the self very beautifully and powerfully because you know they plunge they say i just love the lord and nothing else matters for me at the same time because they are very emotional they are very vulnerable also they are very fragile they get easily heartbroken <laughs> strange similarly those who are mentally very strong they can pick up an idea take someone like swami vekananda there is nothing but one self you know they'll meditate upon a verse of the upanishad isha vasya midam sarvam yat kinchi jagatyam jagat and by meditating and reflecting their mind eventually burst beyond the words and discovers the self it discovers itself as all actually you know that experience comes but at the same time because they are mentally strong again like swami vekananda they will be prone to many doubts you know how he used to move in circles so much so that at one point of time when he is besieged with doubt after shri ramakrishna's physical withdrawal then he appears before him shri ramakrishna and says i have given you everything and become a beggar myself still you doubt <coughs> because it and it was his strong part tremendous similarly his vital was tremendously strong when he decided something it was firm done that's what he was but at the same time he could be prone to intense movements of you know even anger because this is how nature has arranged itself and this is to make it easier for us because now i know this is my strength this is my weakness i need to work on this somebody else would have it in different way like there are people who are very passionate they take to yoga in a very passionate way bhagwan ki seva karni bas din raat you know day and night they are busy doing that but that part will also make them susceptible to oh i am doing the service this way this is the only way to do it why somebody else is doing it another way so they'll get into that kind of situation so within nature we have to find the tool and that tool will be different for everyone it cannot be the same tool we have to discover what is my strength what is uh, my weakness and that strength you use by turning it towards the self rather than towards the world this is the process the gita describes so it says there are two ways of using buddhi of course the gita says first step is that within nature discover the buddhi and extricate it that's a very beautiful tool nature has developed in human beings you see it's a strange paradox we have a innate tendency to give a reason for everything so initially in the primitive stages of development we use this reason to justify our vital impulses you know that's how you see children no i did this because you know some because will be there if nothing else i feel like it it's my life now it's a kind of rudimentary reason you can't argue with that yeah it's your life everybody has their own life now it's because reason is still a captive to nature of course buddhi is something more than reason it's a discriminating intellect slowly in yoga we have to separate it from the rest of nature so it becomes the first guide it's within nature it's not yet the true light but it's a at least a torch light in the darkness and it will tell you that look this movement is turned towards my goal and this movement is away from the goal and shri krishna puts it very nicely he says there are these two kinds of buddhi one is vyavsayatmak buddhi means vyavsaya it's not business but something which is focused and concentrated and the other is buddhi is what type bahushakha naam what is bahushakha naam morning i'll read a newspaper then afternoon i'll talk about share market then evening i'll say okay chalo let me also sit for some meditation half an hour then night i am having a party now this leads us nowhere 
so within nature all this happening within nature you don't need to read a book or really get a training crash course nothing it's there within us now slowly what we have to do turn this buddhi from bahushaka naam to vyavsayatmak focused on the goal it wants to achieve and turn it towards that you can do it with the heart every time now that's where another quality comes in which is sincerity see any amount of books any amount of practice will not lead us where we want to go unless we are really sincere and committed to it so if i am committed then practice doesn't matter my commitment matters because the divine is all knower he sees that poor fellow is sitting you know like a donkey day and night he is not observing that whether you are doing the right asana or not he is observing that you are having this aspiration in the heart to realize him and so you are trying all kinds of means sometimes sitting on sofa sometimes on ground sometimes going to this person that person but the all knower laughs inside he says okay let him amuse himself <laughs> but he knows that you have the aspiration so the critical element to cross over from this to that is ultimately to light up this fire of aspiration inside buddhi is an intermediary within nature and within nature you will get a clue which energy is your savior energy and which energy of nature is also the cause of tripping over turn it in another direction and you are through turn it in the other direction you are trapped there is a very nice real story of bullesha bullesha many of you must have heard great saying that bulla ki jana mein kaun this famous song so you know bullesha went to his master now bullesha belonged to a you know um, a very lineage of these uh, not sufi lineage he belonged to the sayyids though the Uh, you know after prophet muhammad that lineage so though he, he was a shia that way but uh, you know they said you are looking for a master people will curse us and came from a very good family so you are looking for this master that master please whatever you have to do do it at home don't go and seek anybody but he was keen to find so he goes somebody tells him here is a master who is basically a farmer and you go and he will give you gyana so he finally goes and waits and he is busy plucking you know farming season so uh, he is plucking things and putting them here and there so this master tells him that what do you want he says i want to know how to find the self god whatever oh he says oh that's very simple oh is it that simple he says yeah, yeah. i'll tell you in first punjabi part then i'll translate it ha ha he says ek first he says athachuk athirak what it means athachuk pluck from here pluck from here pick up from here athirak keep it there same thing see what is concentration people say we are not able to concentrate you tell the same people watch a 3 hour movie see so problem is not concentration <laughs> problem is my focus if i can focus on a 3 hour movie or a you know alistair maclean novel surely i have no issue with concentration my issue is that divine is not yet the primary focus of my life which is all right nothing to feel bad about it so if he is not the primary focus so i if i am i want to go along that line i may say it let it take its own time or i may say no i want to hasten it so if you have to hasten it try to find ways and means that he becomes the primary focus that's where satsang books places they have a role and a day will come when divine becomes the primary focus then what happens something very interesting right now people sit in you know meditation you may even have ki okay no cell phone nothing but where is the mind wandering 
you have all the techniques still the mind is wandering then what will happen you are sitting in watching cinema and you are thinking of the lord it doesn't matter because you can't help it it's like falling in love so ultimately that's what matters to pass over from this to that so my difficulty coming to the original question with all these systems which you know gurjev and many others have given with all due regard respect to their places i have interacted in california with ken wilbur's disciples and all these people and i found that at the bottom it's very shallow if you ask me at the bottom it's very shallow you know it it's very good intellectual system but it doesn't tell me a way to get out of this mess i understand it's a mess we all understand but how do i come out of this mess and arrive there that's where the teachings of yoga are so simple direct and practical any yoga you pick you pick up bhakti yoga you pick up gyan yoga raj yoga of course integral yoga the teachings are you know the fundamentals are very clear yeah yeah the dimensions human dimensions yeah whole creation is there in human in everything actually we start from before we come to humanity the premise of spirituality based on experience of the seers and then we'll come to our own experiences that within the pind pind is a body which means matter it can mean plant it can mean stone it can mean human beings anything within pind the the body body is a you know a casing there is the whole brahman the entire cosmos dwells in everything every element of creation all right so what happens what is the proof of it the proof of it is that because the cosmos dwells within each particle of creation therefore in every particle there is a compulsion to grow outgrow its limitation and evolve what we call as evolution is a progressive manifestation of that which is within because whole cosmos is inside so it's bound to emerge you can't help it therefore atom evolves into molecules molecules into substance substance into living substance living substance into more and more complex substance more and more complex substance into thinking substance thinking being called man into spiritual being and so on and so forth because everything is there inside what are these grades which are inside if we look at outside inwardly of course it's well known seer spoke about these three layers which are below the physical world the vital world and the mental world the three lokas you know so we often find triloka adhipati somebody who had conquered the three lokas mind life world and physical world yet they were great asuras ravana was triloka adhipati you know <laughs> but he was an asura he had all the powers and energies of mind now this is important because very often we think yoga is about mind control and mind power ravana had mind power tremendous mind power he had tremendous vital power tremendous occult forces he could take anybody's form he could take even the form of rama and he had you know all this knowledge about it as in a side a very touching story personally touching to me so i am sharing about this capacity ravana could take any form he wanted he had those powers so once mandodri tells him why don't you take the form of rama go to sita that the end of the story why are you doing all this so he says i know you are wise but yet not so wise he says just thinking of rama as an enemy makes me freed of my thoughts of lust if i assume his form you think i'll have lustful eyes towards sita the very touching story i'm not saying whether it's you know, there are thousands of ramayanas but 
personally I find. But he had all these capacities too. And there is a subtle hint in that story. Nevertheless, you know, the whole hint of Bhakti Yoga is there. Why do you meditate upon a particular form of the divine? But there are forms of the divine which by themselves are purifying. You can't, you know, start meditating on any form. There are forms which are purifying by their very nature. Nevertheless, coming back to the whole question, there is the physical base we all know, the physical world. What is its nature? Its nature is inertia. So you have tamogun, it is tamogun pradhan. Whatever goes into it, stays there, sinks. With great difficulty, things will go into matter. Once they go into it, they remain there. That's why we say doing is remembering. You have all the typing lessons in the mind, but when you actually do it with the fingers, then you can talk and you know how experts play sitar or this thing. So physical plane. Physical plane is obscure, inert, dull and that's why all of us who have a physical body have to reckon with it. You may think it's wonderful. You see, we may enjoy this talk maybe three hours, four hours. I can continue till two o'clock in the morning, but after some time I say... Sir, boring You know, because human body will not be able to sustain that energy. So, you know, it's one plane. Isn't it? The second plane is the life energy. It is a physical. Then the pran me lok. Pran jagat ki, it's dynamism. So, this is stability, inertia. Pran loka is dynamism. It makes matter move. That's why you see the characteristic of life is it reproduces itself. If you ask physicians, I mean, biologists, they will say the characteristic of life is it it can reproduce itself. Mitosis, meiosis and all. The biologic teachers will tell us. And at every level it reproduces itself. You have wealth, you want to multiply it. Reproduce itself. You have one thing, you want to make more. Because people who are rooted in the vital, they want to multiply things. Because it's the nature of the vital. Okay? And it's described in many ways. It expands, it makes you fly, all kinds of things. And that many powers, energies, we are not getting into the detailed description of each of these loka. Then you have the mental world. So what is the... So this is tamogun, matter. Pranme is rajogun pradhan, movement. Mind tries to put things in slots. It's not comfortable with... You know, people with vital will say, I just flow with it. But mental fellow will be very... No, no, I want to understand where I am flowing. It wants to understand. How does it understand? By comparing, contrast, putting things in slot. This is spiritual, this is material, this is vital, this, you know, this exercise it does. This personality types, that mind. It's Sattu Gun Pradhan. So it likes to find the right place for everything. All the Shastras come out of this Sattvic tendencies. You know, ultimately mind is like that. And wherever mind is developed and freed from the clutch of the vital, it tries to find the law of things, the rule, all these scientific studies. Because, you know, mind is by nature. So, here, mano mein lok. Logic. Yeah? Logical. Logical, logical rational. rational, absolutely. Now, this much we all know. Nothing, no big deal about it. But then, some begin to feel there is something beyond. We can't pinpoint a finger, but kuch to hai. You can't logically explain the world. You can't logically explain the creation. You make any philosophical system and there is the logic itself will find a loophole into it. Say why people suffer a common thing. No? So people say it's because of karma. You can punch ten holes into it. You will say, you know, logically it doesn't sustain. Logical systems are there. 
which explains. Some will say it is evil because some devil or some shaitan has done things. That also you can punch hole. So we want to make a logically neat world. But actually, the world is not logically neat. It's not logically perfect. You know why? Logically perfect world would be a dead world. No evolution. You will have fixed links of cause and effect. See the point? There will be no more evolution possible. I'll take this example. Somebody suffers. In a logically perfect world, a good person should always be happy. Honest person should always be having money. Rewarded in whatever way, isn't it? Comforts of life. And a bad guy should have everything taken away from him in one very, very one life. Why many lives? And he should be on the road. Then we will say, yes, God is logical and just. Isn't it? That's what we will say. But think about it this way. Look at the picture from another dimension. Now imagine a good person is getting everything he wants. Now, will he ever seek something higher? There was a time when America was dream destination. So after everything is satisfied, people want to come in search of some light. It's not easy living in India. But people want to come. Because there is something. One is seeking which one doesn't find within the frames of logically, symmetrically perfect world. And you know when the breakdown of this world started? 1960s. Flower children, I want no education. You know, Pink Floyd. All this was basically revolt against a logically symmetrical world that reason had made. Just society. Strange. Because there is something beyond and I don't find it within this frame. It's logically perfect, but something more. So, these seers went further and they discovered there are other planes, other ways of cognition, knowing, other ways of feeling, which we don't experience it here. Here, rationally, I must understand something. There you know something because you are identified with it. Here, I cannot escape my flesh, so I am identified with it. So, I'll say, you know, I am hungry. But I can't feel somebody else's hunger. I may sympathize, that's different. I may logically say, you know, and I will, maybe you are hungry. But you know how mothers know that their child is hungry? Not by logic. They know it intuitively. Child is crying, father is wondering, nappy change karna hai karna hai. Maa bali, kuch nahi hai usko. Are usko bhuk lagi hai de do, you know. At another time, the father will say, bhuk lagi hai. No, 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 he just wants a nappy change. Isn't true? Those mothers will know it. How do they know it? It's not even experience because first it's by kind of identification. Why she is able to identify? Because it's an extension of the mother and for quite some time the child is psychologically an extension. Why I'm bringing this example? Because this is how divine understands us because we are extensions of the one consciousness. When you identify with the divine consciousness, you understand creation because creation is an extension of that same consciousness. So is it direct identification? Direct identification. So this is what is called, in, you know, in Ishupanishad, there is a famous verse, Atme Vabhud Vijanata, Tatra Ko Mohaka Shoka, Atme Vabhud Vijanata. He has no grief, no suffering, no delusion, nothing can delude him. I was talking of slaying Moha. Tatra Ko Moha, Ka Shoka, no grief. Who is passed beyond grief and delusion? Moha is the delusion of separativeness. 
ekatvam anupashyata who sees oneness everywhere when i see that it's the same self in you this that would i bother to know which state you belong to which language you speak let me see your mind or you are somebody else's or my type or somebody else you like do all these petty things we are one and it's not something to be talked about we know it by an inner identity humanity will become conscious of its origin all these divisions will go away not by mentally trying it but by realizing this truth it cannot go by mentally telling mentally telling this thing may have some uh, preparatory you know it's a preparatory step okay so uh, this is how this self and they discovered there is something still higher so there are many planes about intuitive mind illumined mind higher mind and over mind you know we uh, i'm not going into the details but you know each of them is energy influence but basically it enters into a vaster and vaster state of consciousness said over mind your feeling is like a so intense that if you feel it realizes itself it is the power that strong the feeling will if you will that let there be you know liberation in ireland that will will be so powerful that it will begin to use forces and energies and drive human beings to realize it because now that will has become that but even that is shubindra speaks of that that is still there is something will between that and the ultimate step that he brings in the supermind which is omniscience and omnipotence of the divine but at any level you need not go through the planes to contact the divine see this is important from integral yoga point of view this question planes of consciousness so beyond the supermind you have the three higher planes sat chit ananda sat lok tapo lok chit ghan lok anand lok where anand lok everybody is blissful forever <laughs> sat lok they are always in truth in chit lok they are always full of the same power we are not going into that and beyond so there are seven planes of consciousness essentially this is important if we want to understand the integrality of man and his total engagement with creation which is about divine life upon earth so when we relate with everything the, i think the first day i was mentioning this we don't engage with our totality why we don't engage with our totality because we haven't discovered the totality that means we are leading a half life half hearted life what is yoga fullness unite wholeness you know nowadays in psychology we speak about wholeness and integration what is wholeness it's not just the mind it's my entire being how do i discover it by discovering the source from which everything has emerged that is why shubhidu speaks of supermind but having said that experience of the divine you can have from any plane by taking a leap you can be just a vital centered man but by intense bhakti you can feel that you can realize the divine but then you cannot connect the integrality of being you cannot connect with the world integrally that's why some of these people people who have realized the divine may not necessarily be good psychologists you know so they are very good they will tell you a path and they are right say a gyan yogi will tell you you know don't ask me questions about you know what's going to happen in somalia and don't ask me about you know president trump or you know north korea that's not my purview i can tell you how to find the self and they are right very specialized method you cut through nature you discover having found that you say i am free 
this i is the spiritual part in us the deep the divine element in us but the rest of nature the planes of consciousness have no meaning for such a person they are relevant if you want a divine life upon earth then you need to understand the whole creation and the cosmos otherwise understanding creation is superfluous so you have these two paths one is the traditional approach which says all this understanding has no meaning you'll see that people will say oh all this is philosophy why should we understand and if the goal is just to find the divine yes it's not necessary if you ask me frankly it's not necessary but if the goal is to manifest divine life then you need to understand everything you can't neglect even the stone lying upon the shore you have to look at it with a divine vision at least in india there was an effort to create an integrality that's why you see you can pick up a stone and worship it as shiva i don't know if somebody has been to kedarnath yes, what is there in kedarnath who which murti is there which shivling is there it's a stone that's it and it's a jyotirling not just a you know it's a stone if you some you see with the outer eye you say oh, it's a stone if you go expecting a shivling like that or even like amarnath a glacier nothing somebody who is totally form oriented will say but where is where is where is shiva so you have told he is everywhere uh, even in the stone yes even in the stone look at it, it's an integral engagement huh yeah that's right so because it's there in the stone therefore you can anything possibility because the whole creation is in every element this is the logic so you pray to the river say ganga maiya mujhe rasta de do why you say so materially it is just matter but spiritually it is also spiritual at the same time divine is as much present there and if you don't want to go to the ganges in old time you know where i grew up with this culture you take a lota you know pani and no taps that time you pick up and pour water on your head so you know there was a mantra we used to chant gange che yamune che kaveri che you say all the waters of all the rivers come in my <laughs> little mug and i am cleaning myself with that what does it mean because yes potentially everything contains the same truth that's why if you go to the south in south kaveri is known as dakhin ganga it is ganges it's see it's so beautiful because the divine is everywhere so you can integrally engage with life and that is how indian thought tried to approach later on it became this sect that path this narrow method that's much later and now it's all my guruji versus your guruji is become horrible but in origin it was integrality the vedic rishi never said this is my cult there so many rishis who have composed the vedas none of them created their own later on when mind developed mind wants to classify so he had schools of thought nyaya vaisheshika mimamsa uttar paksh all kinds of philosophies came okay so this is about the lokas there are seven lokas they come they are a hierarchy there are ladder through which we climb towards the one and there is a reason why you climb through the ladder because when you climb through the ladder to reach the one you discover the integrality if you don't climb the ladder you have a choice of throwing into all around the ladder in the gaps is sachidananda then you don't discover the integrality you discover what is called as moksha or mukti or lay that choice each one has to make the choice in creation seems to be to climb the ladder 
all evolution is about that and that is why how much ever you may know that you have to only concentrate on the divine when your child calls you on the phone you worry about him because you know this integrality every part engages with life you can't cut it off when you have osteoarthritis unless you have realized that kana you may discard it but even then people go for surgery people go for all kinds of thing because by nature life is integral can't compartmentalize it so the will in creation is towards an integral realization which means man has to climb to higher and higher rungs become more than man maybe a you know whatever names mother has given the name superman overman then the supramental being she has given some names many intermediate species but if one wants to just realize the divine and be done with it you have the shortcut you can quit the game or play the game full as long as you are not shown a red card it's okay each plane has subplanes subplanes arise because you know the vital which is closer to physical will become vital physical vital closer to the mind will become vital mental similarly each plane will have its own deeper so there is the outer vital inner vital then there is the true vital which is close to the soul okay so you can take it vertically you can take it horizontally depends on what system you follow but when we i mean when the mind uh, using the mind as a tool when we listen to all these uh, planes so we feel like somewhere these are like concepts yes mind true. is not able to true true and so, which so, is not necessary it's not necessary it's because there is a question it's not necessary to know these planes what is central is the aspiration then if you have let's say if the aspiration is for divine life upon earth that or let us let me put it even more simply yeah. i want this creation to become divine it should not be what it is it's in a mess i mean who can deny whether you are a mayavadin lilavadin or a secular or spiritual religious or a materialist i think it's difficult to deny this fact that creation is in a mess i mean you have to be blind to now if it's in a mess i can explain it away illusionist that's one option if you are not satisfied with that then second option is i quit it let the mess remain whatever it is that is the escapist or why it is a mess i want things to change then there is shurvindo's yoga now if this aspiration is there then spontaneously this knowledge will come see this knowledge should not come mentally now because we have press and books and you know we have but original setting what used to happen not this setting this is a different setting what is upanishad upanishad is you know there was somebody who had this knowledge by direct experience and seekers came and they ask questions you have this famous prashna upanishad questions and the teacher gave an answer now when he gave the answer he was not speaking of answer to a class in uh, let's say delhi university where you talk about planes and parts of the being like here everybody is a seeker so for a seeker it's a different thing altogether but if you put it in a book like a formula supposing i write a book neat book on it and it's sold for you know some money and people read it anybody and everybody then it will lose its meaning at least not everybody is ready for this disclosure and it's not necessary to go through that this knowledge it's sometimes good to know a little map because you can orient yourself that's all like if i am too excited i should know my vital is in the forefront 
I should know that there is a way of knowing beyond the mental cognition. This much I should know. It doesn't matter what name I call it. I should know that rational analytical thinking will not take me to the ultimate truth. This much I should know. If I am feeling very dull and tamsing, I should know. I should know that my body is not cooperating with the I also feel the veils, the veils which are actually yes. preventing. Yes, yes, these are the veils also. Absolutely, these are the veils. Physical, vital, mental. It keeps us moving. We move from one state to another. To that we are sensitive to that. We see that there is there is a there is a hindrance. Absolutely. And so you can actually pinpoint by knowing the planes. You can pinpoint. The hindrance may be always, you know, some people have a tendency to postpone, procrastinate. I'll do it later. Oh, I don't have the enthusiasm, energy. What is it? Physical consciousness is very prominent. So, what is the solution? Do exercises regularly. See, in ashram, this is so compulsory because physical is not cooperating. Or when you sit for meditation, it just goes off to sleep. You have learned a technique very nice, but the moment you sit, after some time, it's because why? Because the physical consciousness doesn't cooperate. It doesn't know. It doesn't. It's stone-like. So do some exercises, vigorous exercise if necessary. Eat less. Yeah. Uh, is it okay to force it on yourself? Like if you know that there's something that you're not able to do, but that's the right path. Is, yeah. Is forcing yourself towards yeah. the right means of yeah. achieving it, or you should accept it and just you know wait yeah. for the right time to? Work? Okay. Good question. But I'll just complete this part. So the second is if you feel that you know uh, um, some people become over eager. I want to realize the self today, today, tomorrow. Yeah, but after some time, they just uh, you know flag. Nothing happens. The battle with yeah, it. Nothing happens. Why? Because then I know I am being driven by the vital. It's not the true aspiration. My vital has caught the fire. So vital is like that. You know, I I must have it. It's like a toy. I must buy. I must get it at any cost. So you'll see. Excuse the word true aspiration. Yes. How does it differ? Yes, I'll come to that. True aspiration by its nature is calm, surrendered. It doesn't mind waiting for a century if need be, even though it wants it now. You know, it's beautifully indicated in that famous story you may have heard when Narada is going and there are two persons who are sitting. One says that uh, uh, Hello, I am class now. So, you call me at 9.30. Thank you. So, you know, Narada is going and somebody, that two, one tapasvi and one bhakta are sitting. And he tells, Narada is going, so both of them say, you are going to the Lord. Can you please ask him how many, how much time will I realize? So he says, I'll find, I have a hotline, it will come back. So he comes back, so the jnani tapasvi says, could you find? He says, yes. How much time? He says, you, you see the number of... Uh, he, no, he says, you, you'll have three more lives. He says, three more lives of tapasya? Okay, this life I've had enough. Let me go and enjoy. So he gets up and goes away. <laughs> he says, Bhakta, how much time? He says, can you count the uh, leaves on this tree? I don't know. <laughs> Look, plenty of them. <laughs> Maybe hundred thousand, I don't know. After these many lives, you'll realize the Lord. He says, is it? Hari has said he'll come. He is so joyous. And instantly the divine reveals himself. Because by that intensity. So you see, there is the element of his, he's, he's, uh, he has the intensity. At the same time he has a surrender. So many lives, it's okay. I'll pray to the Lord. Because um, ultimately it is the grace who knows when we are ready. Whatever effort we may do. 
Now that takes us to the next question. So what should we do from our side? Should we push? Well, it depends on, again, as I said, our focus. See, if really the divine is the goal, but I must put this answer with a caveat. Okay. Uh, first is that, yes, if divine is the goal, certainly I should not force like that. But I must, I can at least cajole and nudge my parts. Look here, you know, vital. I want you to cooperate. But you do like this, this one way. Second is I may refine it. Maybe a crude vital cannot straight away take to that leap of bhakti. So take for instance something like bhakti. Let me give that example. Because vital is the seat of difficulty which is the cause of most of the problem. Say we know that we are supposed to love the divine. But I say love is very far. Look I am hurt in love. My problem is this first. So what would be the next step? Well I am loving for my own sake. Let me love for the lover's sake. Let me learn to love little less selfishly, more unselfishly, whom the people who are in my life. Maybe a dog, maybe a husband. I am not equating the two, but you know. Well, <laughs> either which way, it's okay. Just love somebody, but in a true way. So what is happening? God is nowhere in the picture, but this part is getting ready. It's being refined from a cruder stuff to a more refined stuff. Similarly, I want to take enjoyment, fine. But we can have a refined enjoyment. Instead of watching a crude horror movie just for the fun of it, you know, I can watch something more beautiful. I don't have to watch necessarily a crime thriller. Some of them may be good, like, you know, what was that doctor, obsessive fellow, English. No, no, English. Sherlock Holmes took her book, see. Anyway. Anyways, I forgot it. M se naam tha kuch. Anyway, so you know, you can, you can watch something which is more refined, beautiful, like music. We can take interest in crude music, knowing fully well that this is only stimulating my lower half of the body or my limbs. Or I can take interest in music which also touches the lower half but it uplifts me. So slowly I can turn my joy of life, let me put it like that, uh, into I can refine it. Speech, instead of speech bursting out in vulgar speech, it can become more refined, it can become more pleasant, sweet, truthful, honest. Won't my life become better to start with? Then when it is ready through this kind of a sattvic refinement, the other day we were speaking about, bring sattva into rajas, bring moderation, more balance. Then these parts are ready eventually to turn. But surely if you force a crude fellow... He will not come. And all of us have a crude part. If suddenly, let's say, a physical is resisting. And you say, from tomorrow I am going to do, you know, uh, 100 push-ups. You will just have fever after two days. But if you say, okay, tomorrow I will do 10 push-ups. After a week, I will make it 20. So, that's where one has to um, not just accept. See, acceptance means I surrender to it. Whereas the other is I go in a methodical, step-by-step manner. That's what yoga is about. A methodical, methodized effort. So you don't straight away go to that point. You start from where you are and develop it slowly. Meditation. Simple example. We are not called upon to meditate 2 hours, 3 hours, 10 hours every day. I mean, even if it is desirable in say Gyan Yoga. I am not talking of integral yoga right now. Start by just sitting for 10 minutes. 
So don't get up that, you know, I don't make anything, my mind wanders, doesn't matter. You say that this is my appointment with God. My mind wanders, but his mind doesn't, hopefully. <laughs> He'll be around knowing that this fellow is sitting, this stupid fellow, this bloke is there. So after some time what will happen is, you will start feeling that those 10 minutes are precious to me, even though you are still not meditating. You sit for those 10 minutes, because it's precious to you. After some time, when you are sitting, you will feel nice. After some time, those 10 minutes will start extending. After some time, you will snatch those extra 10 minutes in the middle of life. That's how it has to go. But if forcing means, okay, today I will sit for 2 hours and tomorrow I will say, kuch nahi hota, then it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. Okay, it's like from nursery, you can't take a leap to class 11. You have to go through the steps. Yes. Uh, one is uh, this I have experienced myself that uh, yes I know for example there is this inner calling for something I don't know what for something uh, but what happens is sometimes um, I avoid my karma my duties and responsibilities by making an excuse that you know I am following my inner calling I don't know how to put that no, I get your point yes. so I don't know what to do in, at that time. And the second question is, um, so when I was a child, um, I used to ask my mother, just when we used to sleep, so at that time I used to ask my mother, Ki, ke baad kya chale I don't know who you mara hoga, I don't know, I don't remember. So I just asked her this question. So she said, Ki, I'll tell you tomorrow you sleep right now. Every other day she would tell this to me. But Till today, this question is with me and I have been trying to find its answer and I have not been able to. This second question is a very simple answer. Now, you see, I am not giving a book answer. I am sure you must have read all about it. So, I am not talking about what is there in the books and, you know, you go. I am seeing a very simple logical answer to it. Either there is nothing called a soul or divine, in which case, what Umar Khayyam wrote, Sans wine, sans singer, sans dust, sans end. Ah, make the life of, make the most of life until we too into the dust descend. This is the couplet. Ah, make the most of life until we too unto the dust descend. Sans life, dust unto dust and under dust to lie. Sans life, sans song, sans singer, sans end. If that be the case, then why worry? Number one. Number two, there is a soul, there is a divine being, there is a spiritual life and when we die, we will wake up to that reality. Then why worry? See, the, you can answer it both ways. How will you know it? You will know it ultimately by walking it. You know, intellectually I can give you all the answers and I am sure you would have read the books and there are answers. But the, basically there can be two logical answers. Logic is on the ground where all of us have a common base. Either there is nothing beyond matter, in which case it doesn't matter. Either there is something beyond matter, in which case it doesn't matter. See the thing. So don't worry. So leave that aside. Because if you want to solve that question, then further proceed. Uh, I had this question that, you know, I, in my medical college I wondered, 
is there really something called as divine because i didn't like the idea of mukti and all that stuff i thought it's too selfish then i said okay let me seek if at the end of my seeking i discover there is nothing like divine then it's okay anyways there was nothing life was anyways meaningless i had to apply myself somewhere i applied myself in this direction but if there is the divine and i don't apply myself then i have led half a life and i am a stupidest man on earth so i said let me apply in this direction i must tell you there is much much more wonder than we can imagine but that's a different part each of us have to discover it then we can come to the first question there i have a counter question because i keep hearing what really is duty and i'll ask you a very simple question see you must be reading this from the news this soldier who died on the border okay was he doing his duty or not doing his duty he was ask his wife ask his wife now so we'll see in duty there is a hierarchy how can you answer it you can answer it only by hierarchy i have a certain duty to preserve myself i can say this is duty and of course it's a duty if i don't eat how will i help somebody else i need to take care of myself this is my duty when somebody else is in distress i need to help that person you know that when in flight this say you know oxygen mask will come down pehle khud ko lagana is most selfish thing no mother can ever do like this i don't know i mean pehle main lagaungi fir i'll put on the and mothers will instinctively everything anyway so there is a duty towards yourself which is valid it's also one type of dharma next step is duty towards those who depend on you like children sometimes you know uh, children feel uh, oh my parents have done so much for me are this their duty to do this much this is a minimum they have brought you into the world and i am both a child and a parent so i can tell you from both sides i i would not want my child to feel old oh, you did your duty what duty it's it's the minimum i should provide because it's my duty you know it depends on on me those who depend on you you have your duty towards then there is something still greater than your family those who depend on you this is the larger social context in which you live you call it mohalla you call it your village clan doesn't matter but this is a larger context you have a duty towards that beyond that there is a still larger group identity a national identity maybe you want to transcend national boundaries a world humanity there is a duty we owe that's why you know we feel sympathetic to an earthquake taking place across a border despite all the fight when there is a earthquake in peshawar and people die and you see it don't you feel bad look you know it's the same feelings no because there is a larger duty and so on and so forth but we stop with humanity so our idea of duty stops at humanitarianism philanthropy and the rest but even here you see there is a hierarchy if you have to sacrifice the duty towards your family for the sake of serving humanity will you call it bad or you will call it good answer is very obvious isn't it now humanity what is humanity does it carry a meaning if it remains stuck in its ego should it not go beyond so that we can have an ideal state of things 
So when you dedicate your life towards an ideal state, let me not even put spiritual life. What is a spiritual seeker? He is seeking for an ideal state, whether individually or... And because he is seeking, he is setting many hearts alight. And because he is seeking, he may become forgetful of many things. We can't say ki that is, you know, he is doing something wrong. Because he is seeking an ideal state and to express it upon life, upon earth. So, the duty itself is a hierarchy. Now, whether one is doing it just to play a googly ball, that's, you know, one has to answer. And I believe one should not be insincere. I believe that, that whatever you do doesn't matter. If you want to be a doctor, be a good doctor. Do, be, do sincerely. If you want to turn towards higher life, turn towards higher life. Of course, I am not saying in one day you can become sincere fully. But central thing should be there that this is my goal. And then you push toward that. Eventually, a day will come when you will become united. But be very clear what you are really wanting in life. Then it's fine. So, that there should be no confusion with regard to that. And even if there is confusion, doesn't matter. There is the divine who is behind all this confusion. He will show the way. <laughs> Everybody goes through these phases. Eventually, a day will come when we find, ah, yes, that's it. Wait for that moment. That moment will come. Everybody's life, that moment comes. Because there is a divine guidance in this world. Let me probably recite some lines from Savitri. Maybe then, unless you have some questions, we can stop. You may have heard of Savitri, Shurabindo's epic poem. So these are lines from a canto called The Secret Knowledge. So that Shurabindo says, One who has made this world is ever its lord. Our errors are his steps upon the way. Okay? Listen carefully. Our errors are his steps upon the way. He works through the fears, vicissitudes of our lives. He works through the hard breath of battle and toil. He works through our sins our sorrows and our tears. His knowledge overrules our nescience. We may be ignorant, doesn't matter. The master is not. He knows his job well. This I can tell you. So faith, keep that faith. Trust that there is a divine guidance in life. So what we should do? So after this, his knowledge overrules our nescience. Whatever the appearances we must bear, when nothing we can see but drift and bail, a mighty guidance leads us still through all. After we have served this great divided world, God's bliss and oneness are our inborn right. A date is fixed in the calendar of the unknown. An anniversary of our birth sublime. What, what will happen during at, at that anniversary? Our souls shall justify its checkered walk. All will come near. That now is not or far. So what one should do? When one is in confusion, have faith. That there is a divine guidance in life. And he is working over time to pull us out of the confusion. 
then we can imagine. And if he is still allowing us to remain in the confusion, is because he knows better. Because he knows. You know, would a hen prematurely break the egg just because the little chick inside is saying, would a mother ever do it? Child in the womb starts kicking, no? Four months, five months. Should the mother say, ah, my baby, he's crying, he wants to come out. Doctor, please, I want to have the delivery. Will a mother do that? No. She will keep feeding, nurturing, nourishing. When the time comes, then there will be the labor pains. Have that trust. Okay? Sometimes the labor pains may be long. Sometimes the divine may do a caesarean delivery with or without anesthesia. But trust the divine surgeon. Okay, just trust. Where knowledge ends, their trust begins. Not everything can be known by the mind. I have no words. It's so much delightful. I mean, honestly, I'll be at loss of words. Maybe I'll end up um, talking for 10 hours and still I'll feel it's not enough. But some of uh, these... Um, Conversations of mind with Narad, they are uploaded in Oroma website where there are two interviews how I came to Mother and Shurbindo. So you can access it. Of course, there's a small fraction. There is nothing I can say. I can only tell you one thing a drop of the mother's love if you take a balance, you know. And uh, I'm saying this with all the responsibility. I, I didn't have a difficult life that way. Everything came nicely, easily. I've received a lot of love from life and everybody and life has been kind. People have been very nice. I've faced my own share of challenges and difficulties, but I won't count them for much given what people face. So still, why I'm giving this background is for you know what I'm going to say next. If you take a balance and keep the mother's one drop of her love, infinite love, one drop on one balance, all the love that I've received from everybody and there is plenty of it, I must tell you, on one side, this will be heavier. I won't leave this for anything else because I have tasted it. And I have tasted it because of her grace, not because I deserve. That's a, if, if that makes sense. Can you speak about evolving consciousness? Hmm? Little more. Yes. Evolving consciousness. Yes. So, this is it. So, most of us stand on the level of the mind. And spirit is involved in the mind. So when the time comes for us to go beyond, the spiritual part in us begins to feel like a bird in the cage who is ready to fly. Then what happens? The same life where people are very comfortable, it begins to become like a prison for no outer reason. Things may be very nice, but the bird wants to fly. So what does it do? It pecks here, it pecks there, it pecks here, it pecks there. But why the prison doesn't open? Because its wings have to grow strong. Otherwise, it will step out and it will be eaten up by the cat who is near. So the divine tells you, keep on doing, trying, trying, trying. When you keep doing it, eventually you grow strong. Then a time comes and the cage opens. An unseen hand opens the door. And you are flooded by infinity. Then you begin to fly and discover many things. There is no end to these discoveries. So first step is an evolution of the spiritual consciousness out of the mere mental. Okay? 
Then in the spiritual consciousness, there are several ranges. At first you see things very symbolically at the level of the higher mind. Everything becomes a symbol. Then at the next level, you see it not just as a symbol, but a symbol which contains a presence inside. You have flashes, illuminations, which cleave your brain, reveal things which you didn't know. You take up an idea and the whole knowledge will flow into you like the mighty Ganges or the Brahmaputra. Then you enter step into intuitive mind where more and more you can see through large spaces of time. Intuition is not clear once incidentally. Then one of the overmind godheads or deities can actually enter and fuse with your soul. You become a demigod. Then of course you don't declare about it and start, you know. <laughs> it's not about anything external or visible. You don't start saying, ah, I become a saint, I must wear now Girva Vastra. Yeah, yeah. That stay away from all that nonsense. One genuine Swami Vivekananda is wonderful. But when somebody is, you know, is not ready or inside not ready and starts wearing ornaments, it's like making a golden crown put on a goat's head. <laughs> so, most important is inside, it should be ready. And then when it stands one with the overmind state, then it begins to get some glimpses of the supramental glory. When it touches the psychic, then all is blissful, all is beautiful, all is divine. You find the divine everywhere. Even if you are in the dungeon, you find the divine presence. You are full of an inner sweetness. He didn't die. He said, I spat the body. Men like Vivekananda don't die. He picked up the body, came, did a work. When the work was done, he came in one of the disciples' vision. The day, night he died. And he told the disciple, even before anybody knew about the death, Ah, I have spat my body. Of course, that's not the ultimate ideal from Sri yoga point of view. No. But see, we think death as we understand by our experience. And we think it's something very horrible. But look at somebody who has been able to move around freely from one room to another, back and forth and many others. One day when the door is shut and he can't, he says, okay, I can still work and act. It doesn't matter. When you are conscious on the inner planes, then death loses its meaning for you completely. It's an absurdity. In fact, you feel it's so foolish, why do we lament over it? I am not saying this is an insensitive person who, you know, doesn't understand. Of course, attachment and all this there. But you see it is not the end. You clearly see that there is something so much beyond and that life is also wonderful. So why, why should one lament? It's just, you know, do we cry when somebody moves over to a foreign land? Especially if you feel that's, you know, Hawaii Island and everything is wonderful. So you will say it's okay, he's having a good life. <laughs> Of course, you can't communicate. So, it's like that. So, there is nothing like death for beings like Swami Vivekananda, Sri Ramakrishna or of course, Sri Aurobindo and the mother. It's, it doesn't, the term doesn't exist. The term exists for us because we don't know what is beyond material existence. I have one question. Yes, please. While uh, when we have had in our country, the, the highest mind of great spiritual uh, heritage. Why do we have so much of uh, you 
depravity, what else, whole lot of this contrast. Yes, good question. Well, for the simple reason that, um, there are two reasons rather. One is we became too much Mayavadin. We went into an extreme effort of spirituality, which runs away from life into some wonderland beyond. Hello? Haani, mujhe deer lagega, theek hai? Okay. So, um, so that is one reason which happens when you put an extreme effort in one direction. We lost contact with life, we lost grip with the physical reality. And it was too much of that world, that world, that world. That was not the case in Vedic times. Why did we do it? Also because this extreme experience was necessary. We were not ready in some parts of nature. That's the whole idea of the four yugas. You start from Satyu, where your spiritual part is very developed. Then in Treta, it's all the age of philosophies, you know, Darshanas, you know, is the mind. Then Dwapar, the vital. Then Kalyug, the physical. And then you go back to a higher Satyug. So basically, from one point of view, we may say we fell. From another point of view, we, we can say that we had not uh, worked upon something. Something was left, not fully done. And why that happened, you see, till 2000 years back, or rather before the advent of Buddhism. If you read India's history, you will see that in every sphere, it's documented, you know, it was wonderful. World over, people are looking for, where is that golden bird? What happened with Buddhism? Wonderful way, but it showed a way totally beyond. And Shankara unwittingly affirmed it. Even though he seemed to be against the Anatmavada of Buddha, but ended up affirming the Advaitin and Illusionism unwittingly. So these two great minds, both were tremendous, powerful intellects. Amazing. And they were seekers also. They were not just intellectuals the way we But their extreme effort took them in a direction and that got disconnected with the rest of the world. Can we ever follow illusionism? I mean, it will be insincerity to say that. All the great teachers who talk about illusionism want a business class ticket to travel to America to talk about illusionism. It's a paradox. Because, you know, it should not be. Then you should be like Raman Maharaji. Sit in one corner, let the world come. That's true illusionism. You are at least true and sincere to what you are doing. So, you see, illusionism cannot satisfy the fullness of our nature. But Krishna, Shurabindu, that's another line of where you know you go step by step toward the fullness of manifestation. But because of the strong stamp of illusionism and Buddhism, not Buddha's fault, not Shankara's fault, but what people made out of it. <coughs> Shankara also wrote Sondari Lahari. He also gave us, you know, Bhaj Govindam, very amazing. He gave, gave us that, you know, what is that, Natato Namata, Gatistam, 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 Bhavani. You know, he's him to Bhavani, Bhavana Ashtakam. But people pick up that part. Now what has happened? Everybody has become, you know, otherworldly. Because we became otherworldly and stopped worshipping Shakti. Shakti said, all right, you forgot Gatistam, Gatistam, Gatistva, Bhavani. So we lost Shakti. When we lost Shakti, from every side we got invaded. What happened as a result of invasion? Kali once again woke up. 
in the Indian mind and thought. That was the necessity. Now once again, it says that curve is over, the dark dream. And you see when India picks up again, not India as a, just a geographical, but that truth picks up again of Sanatan truth, you will see it will go much higher than the previous cycle. Because now we are one chastened by the experience, now we have worked upon matter and matter is ready. See this setting could have been a setting of seekers and seers, but if we visualize it in ancient time, we'll have everybody sitting with dhoti and you know, this is our problem. <laughs> but modern day yogins are moving in jeans and kurta. But still our mind has somewhere got stuck into that past. The yogins who are going to come and this Sri Ramakrishna has foreseen, of course Sri Aurobindo Swami Vivekananda, they will be far deeper and higher than the realizations of the past seers and mystics. Because now we are ready, more prepared. Not just one or two or few names. En masse. So it's a tremendous, it's not a fall. It's like I left some of my brothers behind. And that also came up because of elitism. Why it happened? See, initially in Vedic times, because there was Adhikar Bhed. Not everybody is ready for this effort, spiritual effort, which is a fact even today. But because of that, people started practicing exclusivism. Some people are more worthy. They will be given the education. For others, the writings were veiled. They were given a dharma, a way of life, a code of conduct. Isn't it? So, over a period of time, what happens? There was the Brahmin class and to an extent the Kshatriya class. Others had to just say, Brahman Devta Namaskar. Brahman Devta started losing his belly, got you know, fatter and fatter. Because you know, <laughs> he started believing he is an elite. Just because he has a surname of Pandey or Sharma or something attached to it. So all these things were, you know, happening. But this is the age when even the masses must wake up. But it was neglected. That's a fact. Even in the Vedic age, there were the elite. And they realized. But the masses were not allowed. They were, I mean, they were isolated examples like Satyakam, Jabali. But even if you see there, after all the Guru asked Jabali, tell me about your parentage. So he says, I don't know, but it's a very powerful story. Has anybody heard it? Especially children. Very powerful. Yeah. Satyakam Jabali. So Jabali, uh, you know, Satyakam, he goes to ask his guru. He says, I want to have Brahma Vidya. His mother says, I don't know anything. I'm a maidservant. You don't know. I don't know anybody will take you also. Not because children of maidservants are not allowed. But still, if you are so keen, every day you are beating my head, go and ask. Guru will refuse you, that's the end of the story. So she thought. She went and asked the Guru. Guru says, you tell me your lineage. He says, I don't know. Who is your father? He says, I don't know. He says, I will go and ask. Then I will decide whether you should be here or not. So he goes and asks his mother, Mama, I have never seen my dad. Tell me about him because the school authorities want it. So she says, look, you know, one thing is sure, I am your mom. He said, yes, that I know. He said, but you know, I have worked as a maid in many persons' houses, so I don't know who was your father. So much is hidden behind that one sentence. So the boy goes and says, this is what my mother has said. And the guru says, somebody whose mother can be so brutally honest and truthful comes from a high lineage. Satyakam Chapati. But these are exa isolated examples. So because the general current of society, which was not ready, it's not that they were fools. 
it was not ready so they decided let us at least isolate and some part of humanity must discover that great teaching and preserve it for posterity so you had the people who had realized the brahman for them the vedas were just nothing but you know loti mein pani that's what the gita puts it there were others who were udgats who would sing and preserve the doctrine much of it is lost then there were the purohit who were just mediators between that knowledge and the common man then there was the common man who had to live the conduct himself according to some tenets given by the seers and they understood nothing about it but then the society began to become crystallized and fossilized so there were revolts like charvak so there were revolts and revolts help bring out fresh energy then there were great masters see indian civilization has gone through all those cycles which many religions are not yet begun so the crux is that the rest of humanity was left behind so we had to come back because who is the rest of humanity that too is myself that too is narayana we forgot that truth at some point so we had to come back now the most common person is narayana we are learning it in very horrible ways but it's a truth <laughs> so that's why we had to come back and it's good now you know masses are ready now nobody asks what's your surname what's your i mean politicians still want to create divide but nobody bothers you know are you adhikari or not adhikari anybody can take to spiritual teaching if you have the seeking that is enough but at one point of time this was not enough and because that time it is also true that only there were few they were not called brahmins they became natural seekers not everybody was ready it's also a fact but now the masses of mankind is ready and out of that whoever wants to take his chance takes his chance the surname doesn't matter that's why we had to fall down many causes one of them but we'll come back richer when we return back with the great discoveries will be much richer see swabhav is a way of being and swadharma is uh, the law of it's more to do with action what must you do swabhav is what must you be what is the mode of your being so you know let me put it like that let's say that uh, my swabhava is to be uh, like um, let's say there is in me a, a very gentle person or a very sweet natured person it's not about me by the way huh? i'm just telling him this thing <laughs> or within me there is a um, there is a person to take another extreme example that um, somebody who who represents justice very strongly okay very strong streak of justice that's my mode of being so everywhere i want to see justice it doesn't matter i'll fight with the divine also if i don't see justice justice is so strong element then what should be my conduct swadharma maybe i should be a leader of men maybe a king maybe a judiciary that becomes my not a job but that becomes my turn of being so swabhava is the way of being and swadharma is your law of being so those who are by swabhava let's say oriented towards justice in their daily life in their conduct they represents the god of justice 
they demand is justice even in their house it's not about job they huh? yes even in their house that what you did is unfair dads get very angry they should see that oh that's his swabhava boy you'll do well if you enter into you know become an advocate <laughs> don't be a doctor because there also you will start arguing <laughs> so because this streak of justice so swabhava and sudharma that will be his law he'll everywhere even if he goes before god he will tell a dialogue like diwar tumne mere sath aisa kyon kiya meri maa ne kya bigada tha you know all that god understands he laughs he doesn't take it seriously oh my god he's blaming me i must prove myself he doesn't this is my child he has to represent justice and your life experiences will be like that those who are born to represent justice will feel lot of anyaya in their life paradoxically so that they remain acutely sensitive towards the spirit of justice nyaya so they will meet in their life lot of injustice not because of their bad karma because that their swabhava must express itself so it will they'll find those experiences so this is the deeper logic which operates behind experiences of life not karma and all this you know similarly those who are born leaders will find many challenges in life the born kshatriya will have battles that that's if see if you want to that we had touched partly that you know you you discover what really you are deeply engaged with what is that idea let us start with which is the predominant in your nature like for example for me it may be love so i take up that idea and i work upon that idea that's my turn of being that's the way i'll relate with people that's the way i'll relate with objects that's the way i'll relate with the divine okay so that's one of the, you have to see what is that prominent aspect in your nature that everybody has to look carefully and second is you have to ask the divine don't look for jobs jobs is a bad way to look at it should i become a you know politician or should i become a uh, what is that don mafia don equally worse possibilities no it doesn't work like that should i become an artist or should i become a scientist no it doesn't work like that say a person who is oriented towards justice if he takes to art you will see very sharp lines shades because he is oriented towards justice you can see from the painting that here is a person whose streak of nature is justice by default he has become an artist he'll make those contrasts very prominent because that streak is there in nature so you know you have to it's not about job at all but what is that prominent idea like i can say the, for me more than anything else it's love so i feel the divine is love of course knowledge will come everything else will come but that somebody else it may be knowledge somebody else it may be to become a warrior the you know warrior is what not just external war no he'll fight battles within so warrior sir for somebody else it's service is wonderful yes you or reddy sir said yesterday that uh, we might not choose anything else but we choose our family before taking birth it applies only so, to those souls who are conscious i didn't say this for sure because we didn't have a discussion on that uh, so like second is i always feel that you know personally i i must say 
that there are imponderables in life and it's best not to you know it doesn't matter whether i choose or i don't choose i mean i would answer like the buddha the fact is you are here with the family what do you do now <laughs> you know this is the reality no. so but but having said that it's true that conscious beings do conscious souls do choose a family from what point of view from the point of view of the soul's progress so let me give an example that somebody who has been a princess in previous life now has realized that life of a princess is really worthless because wherever you go there will be bodyguards actually you are in a prison you can't say ki chopadi par mere ko bhilpuri khana hai you can't just say you know stop the car i want to go and have bhilpuri you can't there will be five bodyguards they will not allow you they'll say i'll get you madam so you have lost the fun okay so the soul decided to have a contrary experience i want to be a very ordinary commoner so choose a family where parents have no standing nowhere you choose maybe a villager but because you carry probably some streak of the princess your behavior may be like a princess and parents may say tujhe to raja ke ghar mein paida hona tha ye kya tu hamare ghar mein aa gayi that was what i was asking that uh, like conscious beings choose their families This is what it means. From the purpose of progress, not from the purpose of comfort zone or anything. Yeah. Somebody who wants to just experience life as an individual and found more. Oh, my parents were too good, too much overprotective. Everything they will provide. No, I don't want anything of that sort. So maybe a most neglected child may may not even may may be born in a family where parents just go very soon. Sounds horrible, but yes, Sakuntala. We have the classic example. No? and she has she is the great grand empress of indian lineage so anything you can choose i mean pandavas what parentage they chose poor father you know they could never get a crown died in the forest why did they choose because they had to do a great work for krishna for the divine so they had to be prepared for that supposing they were born as prince and remained as prince probably they would have been uh, just like duryodhana maybe little better fellow maybe so they had to go through all this experience so they chose that not only the parentage but the experiences of life not that every detail of course there is a deeper truth in that also but by and large the details like somebody fail in everything they try all these are choices we make the soul makes let's say somebody has been very impatient i must get it and got it i must get this and got it so his soul now wants to take the next level of evolution kindergarten is over when whatever chocolate you demanded you got it now it's middle school where parents deny you everything that you want so it gets into a life where everything is a failure now the person may thinks kya miserable life diye but soul may think yahi yahi experience chahiye i want to develop patience and perseverance not to give up because in the previous life as a rudimentary being it had the experience of just grabbing getting whatever it wanted i am giving an example not that you, know, you take it very rigidly so this is more evolved but you know we may say karma we may look at that in kindergarten child and say kindergarten soul wise say look at this person he is so uh, he just a go getter he is snatcher and he is getting everything look at me i am trying and trying and failing and failing from the divine point of view i am more evolved than this fellow but if evolution concerns us then we will value it but if it doesn't concern then i'll just build a doctrine either of karma or become an astic because i have only two alternatives either i say that there is no god no justice if god is there he is an impersonal something 
और आई से माई बैड कर्मा इन सम लाइफ बोथ आर एब्जर्ड बिकॉज दे आर इम्पॉन्डरेबल दे आर एब्जर्ड बिकॉज इट मेक्स नो सेंस टू पास ऑन दक टू सम अदर लाइफ आई एम नॉट सेंगर इट्स ट्रू आर नॉट आई एम सिंपली सेंग इट्स एन इम्पॉन्डरेबल वट मैटर्स फॉर मी इज हियर एंड नाउ दिस वेयर आई एम वट डू आई डू नाउ दैट्स वेयर योगा स्टेप्स इन वी कैनॉट डिनाई अवर्स इज अ स्टेट ऑफ इग्नोरेंस एंड इम्परफेक्शन दैट पार्ट एवरीबडी विल एग्री मेटीरियलिस्ट स्पिरिचुअलिस्ट रिलीजनिस्ट सेक्युलरिस्ट एवरीबडी दैट वी आर इन अ स्टेट ऑफ इम्परफेक्शन इन इग्नोरेंस द इम्पॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन वी हैव टू आस्क अर्सल्स द मोस्ट इम्पॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन डू आई वॉन्ट टू गेट आउट ऑफ दिस स्टेट एंड डिस्कवर समथिंग बेटर मोर ल्यूमिनस मोर ब्यूटिफुल और आई वॉन्ट टू रिमेन इन दिस दैट इज द रेलिवेंट क्वेश्चन नाउ समथिंग विद इन में से मे बी देर इज हु नोज फाइन गो थ्रू द एक्सपीरियंस नेवर कन्वर्ट सच ए पर्सन और समथिंग विद इन में से इंट्रेंसिकली मे बी इट्स वर्थ ट्राइंग गो ट्राई इट बट वेन यू ट्राई ट्राई इट सिंसियरली दैट्स वॉट यू नो इट ऑल बॉयज डाउन टू इफ यू डू हाफ हार्टेड देन यू आर नाइदर हियर नॉट देयर एट द एंड ऑफ द जर्नी में से मे बी यू नो आई डोंट नो मे बी समथिंग इज देयर दैट्स नॉट गुड आई लर्न दिस इन एफोर्स एट जस्ट जॉइंट एज ए डॉक्टर एट वन ऑफ द पायलट ही वॉज ए आई वॉज इन ए ट्रांसपोर्ट स्क्वाडन यू नो वी आर फाइटर्स एंड ट्रांसपोर्ट सो दिस अदर पायलट सेट आई वॉन्ट टू क्विट एंड जॉइन एयर इंडिया इज इज सच ए लवली सर्विस एंड इज नो इट्स नॉट लाइक दैट इट्स ए लवली सर्विस आई से बट वाई डू यू वॉन्ट टू जॉइन ई सेट बिकॉज आई एम नॉट इन द टीथ ऑफ द सर्विस what do you mean is a teeth of air force is fighter pilot so if i can't be fighter pilot is not worth remaining so i appreciated at one level whatever he was saying i don't subscribe to that but in principle it's true that if you do something do it fully that's what swami vikananda would say think read then you pick up one idea then you become that idea you let it flow into your veins till you become one with that idea. that is the mark of somebody who really arrives mm-hmm. otherwise we dilly dally on the shore counting the pebbles watching a wave making writing nice books on what the ocean is like without stepping into the vastness of the fathomless ocean so one day we must step into it if we may drown yes worth it better to drown fathoming the ocean than to be just on the surface counting the waves that's a perspective i would rather prefer to be hit by an avalanche or be blinded by a snowstorm trying to climb mount everest than to be in safe grounds from my house to my workplace and back it's a basic question of perspective nobody can deny that the danger is not there in such a such let me not i mean let me be very clear it is a dangerous pursuit it is the most difficult adventure mankind has ever undertaken to break into infinity can we imagine what it means we can't even you know with the concepts when that experience comes it's overwhelming people suffer from breakdowns people can't contain it look at you know lives of the great ones look at sri ramakrishna he used to you know go into those ecstatic states all social measures fall away while he was dancing rani rasmani was such a rich lady of kolkata he went and gave her a slap call it social impropriety ramakrishna would call it truth he told her while such an ecstatic kali dance is going on you are busy thinking of your court case 
so the parameters and measures with which we lead a worldly life they drop away so all this duty should he just goes into the washed away by the mighty ganges i'm not saying that one should do it prematurely because it's a overwhelming experience okay so but you should know that there is a state like that we should not judge somebody who has entered that state by just our yardsticks and our parameters buddha walks away leaving his wife and child behind let's not judge him hastily he became the savior of millions by this one act so it's a great adventure i must tell you that and it's a wonderful adventure it's a dangerous adventure and perhaps without that touch of danger it would not be half as delightful what's the point of doing something very easy and simple easy to do step sit down meditate and i got it aha no it's an engagement with everything your whole being then it brings results otherwise it brings some odd experience here and there if one is looking for experiences then this is not the path yoga is not having about having this experience so oh, i saw a light i heard a voice something happened it's not about that that's trivializing it it's like going to a you know shop which is full of the priceless diamonds and pearls and telling them bhaiya wo sasta wala jerkin hai dekhne mein lagna chahiye american diamond you know it looks like diamond people can't make out mujhe sasta wala chahiye jo 500 rupees mein mil jata hai asli wala asli wala to sir aap pura credit card mein nahi hoga itna paisa that's the fun that's the real joy of it take it as an adventure it is a real adventure i must tell you nobody can predict what's going to happen because your measures begin to fall your if you want to put the karmic law the karmic law accelerates itself 10 times so people whom you were supposed to live in one life eventually do away with your karmas you may do away in one year you may live three lives in one life you know what it means what it would mean in terms of people in your life you will disorientate disorienting i am not meaning karma in the way it traditionally used but i am just saying the experiences which you have to go through 10 lives you start going in one life that's what swami vivekananda said no that yoga is concentrated evolution what you would experience in 10 lives you experience in one year maybe 6 months it's disorienting like the bullet train so, but if one is ready and if one is ready to lose everything not even with the wish to gain everything though everything comes only when you are willing to lose everything but you can't do it with that business mind everything will come ah therefore i'll lose <laughs> but if one is willing to lose everything you know what kabir said even kabira khada bazar mein liye lukata haath jo ghar phooke aapna chale hamare sath kabir said i am standing who will come with me who is willing to burn his boats his bridges his house come with me shobindu wrote a similar poem invitation with the wind wind and the weather beating around me up to the hill and the moorland i go who shall walk with me who shall come with me climb through the hills and wade through the snow and in that there is a line of misadventure i have made me a friend he says i have misadventure has become my friend and at the end he says stark must he be and a kinsman to danger who shares my kingdom and walks by my side 
A similar story about Guru Nanak. Look at the story of the great Sikh gurus and other gurus. How they martyred, killed their children, burnt. Did they ever ever winch and say, maybe God doesn't exist? What wonderful examples, heroism. India is full of such examples. So let's walk in those footsteps. Okay, uh, I think we should stop. There's no end to it. Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.